For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary dw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at discounttire.com discount tire let's get you taken care of it's the weekly show here on the blue room we are live on youtube for those watching in that way, we are also, of course, available via podcast. And it is Merseyside Derby Week. It feels like a long time since Everton last played, but it's not long now. And for a change, I think a few people are looking forward to this fixture. Uh, joining me today are three wonderful guests. Uh, one's just disappeared off the screen, and Dave Downey. I'm sure he'll be back in a second. Uh, but Paul McPartland joins us as well. Paul, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, fine, Matt. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Derby nerves are starting to kick in a, a little bit now, I've got to yeah, say, mate. Yeah. But... But one of them, isn't it? Sarah Halpin joins us as well. Sarah, how are you? Not doing too badly, considering all things, mate. And uh, looking forward to very much the derby this weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully, it'll be uh, the first one we win in a decade, which is an obscene, exactly. obscene exactly. Exactly. start yeah. that, needs, that needs ending. And I don't think there's really been a better time to do it than, uh, than now. So let's hope so. Do something and, to smile about. <laughs> yeah, and Dave Downey's just returned again. Uh, his beautiful smiling face has popped up in my screen. Uh, obviously, uh, enlightened and happy by the thought of a Merseyside derby at the weekend, Dave, with that grin you've got. Much happier with that compliment, Matt. My wonderful, beautiful, smiling face. I don't think you've ever said yeah. that to me before, mate. We, I've not seen you smile like this for a long time, yeah. We, we are certainly missing each other in person, aren't we, with that, those sort of things going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. I, mean, I, I think... Um, Sarah's absolutely right. It's a dreadful record, isn't it? And one that needs addressing straight away. But um, I think personally for me as well, you look at the, the doom and gloom of the news we've had this week and everything that's gone on between games. I mean, you could be forgiven if you've been away for a couple of weeks and turned all social media off and, and conventional media. If you woke up on Saturday ready for a Merseyside derby, you think you'd fast forward it about five years or something like that, wouldn't you? Because... Uh, it's been it's been awful news, but I'm I'm really excited by it. And I think dare to say it, it's something I think myself and many people would have clung on to uh, over, the, over the news being what it what it has been in the last few days. So um, I'm really excited about it. And how many times we've been able to say that over the last well ten years of Goodison and, and more than twenty years at Anfield? So it, it is time we put something right. 
Yeah, of course, as, as Paul mentioned as well, exactly 10 years, exactly 10 years to, to the day. It'll be on Saturday since Everton last beat Liverpool. Um, so, you know, some things maybe are meant to be. But just before we get into speaking about a variety of topics today, you mentioned there, Dave, about uh, the situation in the city of Liverpool at the moment and how we are all going back into lockdown. And we were having a chat today where we made about how we could potentially do something and try and use our, our platform in a positive way in regards to this. And, and I've sort of put out a, a tweet there on, on Twitter with a tentative idea we've had in regards to trying to help some local independent businesses and try and use our platform in a positive way. And effectively what we're going to do, we're not we having iron out the full feature of this yet, but if you're listening to this and you've got a business that you're worried about, if you're listening to this and you know someone who's got a local independent business or any business in, in the UK or far and that they're being affected by lockdown, uh, we want to speak to you. I want to have a chat with you about how we can help promote that, how people can get involved in that and connect with you um, and the changes you make during the lockdown and, and just try and get the, the word out as, as much as possible. So we'll be putting the, a little segment on, on this show effectively every week. So you'll be, you know, you'll have the ears of, of, of thousands of Evertonians in that sense to try and speak to people and, and, and put, put your ideas across and put your business across. So we're just trying to help out as, as much as we can, really, Dave. And I know it's, no, it's not much in the grand scheme of things, but uh, trying to do what we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. We, we have an access to an ever-growing uh, community of, of football fans, not just Evertonians. And I, I think that's also important to say. I mean, we're not limiting this to the, the people of Liverpool who support Everton. It's the people of Liverpool. It's a, it's a community of, of, of... We're all suffering with this and we're all going to suffer, sadly. Uh, even even any Reds listen to this, day Because we know yeah. there's a load who listen, don't they? You know, on the well, slide. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> And in particular on Derby Week, I think there'll be a few eavesdropping in on our conversations, of course, ready to, to slate us when we make any massive predictions about what we're going to do to them on Saturday, hopefully. But yeah, um, there's a seriousness to all this, isn't there? I mean, we're here, hopefully, to provide an escape for many people in that regard. And I think we do a pretty good job of that uh, in normal times. But when, when things are starting to hit the fan, uh, which they, they look like they're going to in the city, particularly with the hospitality industry, I'm pretty sure the people of our fine city will come up with weird, wonderful and innovative ways to be able to try and still make a quid or two, uh, despite the fact they've, they've had the, the businesses pulled from under their feet in, in the last couple of days. And We want to help that. We want to help it as much as we possibly can. Um, we're offering up basically a segment on our flagship show, um, which goes out, like you say, to tens of thousands of people uh, across the world as well. So if you want to get yourself in it, sort of on to have a chat it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter if you're the blue if you want to talk about football if you don't um, we just want to keep your business essentially going in some sort of way um, by purveying a message that you might have for people that either you're still open or there's different things that you're coming up with different initiatives to raise funds whatever it is we're all ears and we want everybody else to be all ears as well so do drop us a message mine and Matt's DMs are always open I'm sure you know what they are on Twitter by now um, I'm sure, obviously, Sarah and Paul share that message as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, that's brilliant. Good stuff. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, get in touch. Uh, as Dave said, uh, DMs are always open. Uh, I'm at Matt J Football on Twitter. Dave is at David Downey17. I should know this by now, I think. But yeah, is that right? Sure. Is that I don't right? know. You might have had, knowing <laughs> you, you've probably had me muted for a few years. So you might have to look that up. <laughs> and of course, uh, the Blue Room is at the Blue Room ESE. If you want to email us, it's the blue room at the blue room com. So, yeah, do get in touch if you've got a story to tell, you want to share uh, stuff about your business, and you want to let people know how they can connect with you. 
in these difficult times. But moving on to, to have a chat about footy. Yeah, let's talk about some, some actual football that's gone on over the last a few days. First and foremost, we'll come to Sarah. Uh, Everton women, of course, absolutely flying still uh, during the international break. And we were just speaking there before we, we came on air about how, how well they played at the weekend. Obviously, it could have been a tricky one. They got pegged back to, to one all in this fixture against West Ham. And then probably just fair to say Lucy Graham took over the game with, with two... You know, well, the first goal was an incredible finish, wasn't it? And a real, you know, we, we've spoken about it loads recently, Sarah, about how she's matured as a player and, and a captain. But to take over a football match like that with a general performance, to score a goal like that, to put the team ahead, and then to, to cap it off late on, uh, a real captain's display and a real leader's display from Lucy. Yeah, and you know what we've come to just know and expect from her every time she pulls on that shirt. And you know, as you said, it, it was a, it was a tough game. It was a really satisf- satisfying three points to get, as you said, because to go in at half time one all, and that was actually the first league goal that Everton women have conceded all season. So you don't know what that does psychologically. Um, also, the fact they played five games in fifteen days. So I think there was there was clearly like a little bit of fatigue in there, but. I've got to say the girls, you know, they really did dig deep and, and, you know, get the result in the end. And as you said, Lucy Graham, she'd missed a couple of days training with the team already this week. Um, so to come on, I think, with about half an hour to go, including injury time and, and, and score two goals to get us to three points. And as you, you rightly said, that first goal was just, you know, standard uh, Lucy Graham. If you, if you were to look up a Lucy Graham goal, that's that's kind of the general thing she she just does um, a real leader, a real, a real captain, and uh, yeah, everyone. I, I was dead proud of everybody that day, though, because yeah, that's that's maintained our one hundred percent start to the league season as well. So, the men and the women both uh, with four out of four, which which you love to see. Yeah, I know, I know, Dave. You're a big fan of, of Lucy Graham, aren't you? And the way in which she's been playing in particular this season, and that was. Me, me and Sarah were speaking there just before we came on edge, saying just a bit gutted there wasn't an angle from behind the goal because. The way in which she finished it, you imagine there would have been some some lovely parabolic curves all over that shot into the top corner. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I've, I've looked at it a few times again, Matt, and you're right. You'd love that angle from either behind where she hits it or one from behind the corner of the goal. But it, for me, you look at the technique of it, it's, it's quite... Um, it's a little bit different to how I think most players would strike the ball. I think they try and put the laces through it there, but she sort of caresses it with the, the side of her foot into the, into the top corner. And also... She's quite central when she hits it as well, which I think is probably the secret behind why it might well take the goalkeeper by surprise um, because it's so central that she could probably pick either corner to try and um, to go for with the place shot. And the fact it's that one, I, I was thinking more she'd open her body up a little bit more and perhaps go for the other corner. And that might be why the keeper sort of unawares initially and sort of fumbles at it. Um, but it's a, it's a tremendous strike and she just keeps going from strength to strength. I think... We've spoken about it at length. Sarah has spoken about it at length as well. That she seems to be the catalyst in this side. I mean, I know there'll be some more players in that side, and I'm pretty sure Sarah can can tell us all about that in terms of having somewhat of an X factor. Some players, internationals, who who bring more to the party, and like a little bit like Hammers, and it's related to the men's side of things. But Lucy Graham's seems to be the engine that ticks everything over and is able to sort of get a rise off everybody around her. I mean. That was a tough game for Everton ladies to win um, on the weekend, and they come through when it got when it was one all. I thought, is this where they really have to dig a little bit deeper? The start of the season they've had, obviously confidence wouldn't have been an issue, but to be level at that stage, sort of going into the final third of the game, 
it sort of takes a little bit more to lift yourself, doesn't it? And she seems to be the one who gets the best out of everyone around her. And sometimes you see players in world football that don't get the recognition others do uh, simply because they do things that you can't see so easily on a pitch. But Lucy Graham has the whole package. She, she, she's everything. And Sarah, I was saying to, uh, to Matt the other day about we know the sides in this league and, and Everton very much look like they're on a steep upward trajectory. But when you look at the, essentially the big three, you splash out all sorts of money. We've seen them bring in a lot of the, the US team uh, between them over the summer. I think you've got the likes of Spurs and United who are trying to catch up as well. Um, undoubtedly, she'd be on the top of the list from, for many clubs, wouldn't she, in terms of trying to take it to them? Uh, I can't imagine a, a team that Lucy Graham doesn't get into, to be honest with you. Yeah. You're quite right there, Dave. You know, she's she's been with the club now for, uh, I think, where this is a, a first full season it'll be, given that if it's completed, uh, it was a first season with us last season. And the difference she's made, and as you, you also said, Dave, and you spot on about, you know, we've got some of the star-studded names in there, like, uh, you know, Valerie Gavant, also number 19, ironically. Uh, <laughs> she's the sort of stardust in there. And, a fantastic player but you know Lucy I think last season as well obviously to, to lose Chloe Kelly it was really Lucy and, and Chloe that we relied on a lot of our goals for last season and um, lose Chloe Kelly to Manchester City I think some people were a bit you know concerned as to how we'd respond to that and players like Izzy Christiansen the the, the, the new girls from Denmark who've come in uh, Mo Vold the new right back uh, are all fantastic and have made a, a, a real addition. But I think Lucy Graham and Simone McGill, another one, you know, we, when you think of Everton players and in the men's team, the likes of like a Seamus Coleman or yeah. a, a Timmy Cahill or, you know, that kind of, that kind of player, that's what, what, what Lucy is and, and, and Cy. And I think you're quite right in that, you know, any club would be lucky to have her. Um, but I think the girl just loves Everton now, which um, I think she's definitely been bitten by the bug and, and, and she bleeds blue now. So, but, you know, long may it continue and, and hopefully she'll be able to pick up a trophy with us in a few weeks' time yeah. as well. Yeah, that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? And uh, just before we, we move on, uh, I saw there's a, there's a flare on the pitch at the weekend, Sarah. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought, you'd, been causing, I thought you'd been causing loads of mischief at the match, but it, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. You've reliably informed us. It wasn't me. And do you know what's funny? Our, our SNC guy, Jack, uh, was the other side of the pitch and he'd said to Davey, apparently he went, well, we know it wasn't Sarah because she was the other end of the pitch. <laughs> so it was like, show us your hands at the end, see if they're blue. Like, but so, in all seriousness, you know, health and safety-wise, that, that kind of thing shouldn't happen. But from a fan's point of view and for the players, I'm sure, listen, seeing that the fans are right behind them to the point that they've gone there to lob a flare on when, and what a goal to celebrate as well, you know, when, with Lucy smashing that one in from, from distance and seeing the flare, it, it, it did make me laugh. I've, I've got to be honest there. Yeah. Up the Blues, love that. Yeah, the, the, the South American fan culture starting to catch on, isn't it? I think, throughout <laughs> the entire football club since, since a lot of them Already. Yeah, uh, but no, great, great to see you over the weekend, uh, um, and long may you continue. But uh, speaking of South American culture, let's let's move on to have a chat about some of the lads who are in action over the, the last few days. Uh, of course, James Rodriguez played two matches for Colombia, 60 minutes and 90 minutes in a, a pulsating game last night against Chile. Uh, was Richarlison, of course, as well, played 90 minutes last night, scored for Brazil. Robbed one off the line from Firmino, which I think everybody would love to see, especially <laughs> Derby week as well. Uh, but the, probably the, the biggest story, Paul, that emerged last night was um, obviously a, a fire problem for Yerry Mina. It wasn't confirmed by Colombia how bad it was. I think the translation 
loosely meant. I mean, you could probably tell us actually, mate, what, <laughs> what, what the translation of, of Columbia's tweet was. But it, I think that the encouraging thing, at least, was that it seemed to be a precautionary from their point of view that he was left out. Yeah, I just did a quick, a quick scan of some of the Columbia Sports Paper Twitter accounts, and, and they're not really overly concerned about it at this moment. So I, I think, you know, uh, I think unfortunately, Yeti Minis, the type of player who does pick up these niggling injuries from time to time that aren't serious, but they do keep them out of the side, which is unfortunate from our point of view. But certainly, I mean, the, the Colombian press has just absolutely got this love affair with Everson at the moment, which I, I just think is absolutely brilliant. And uh, I don't know what, what it's like for you three, but the num- number of Colombian Everson fans who suddenly want to engage with the club, but they want to uh, publicise the club, number of people saying Everson now their second favourite team in Colombia. It, it's just absolutely brilliant. And uh, I had a couple of them contacted me to say, why don't Everson set up a pop-up shop in Bogota? Because apparently it costs them the equivalent of £162 to get a replica shares. And in a country like that, they just cannot afford that because the, the Colombian peso is way down against the pound at the moment with all the postage costs and things like that. And they're saying, if you open the shop here, even just for Christmas, it would, it would absolutely clean up. You know, and what a wonderful sight that would be. You know, one of the, the biggest, most populous nations in South America with every second person wearing an Everson shirt with hammers on the back. I, I just think it, it's absolutely superb. But uh, yeah, I mean... I think, you know, purely from Mark's point of view, getting the cameras has just been absolutely brilliant. Plus, the love affair the country appears to be having with Everson, which I I can't recall without ever experiencing this level of affection from another country before when we brought a player. And I think, you know, Mark's wise, the club really needs to to take advantage of this. And uh, like like everyone else on the panel this evening, I'm just delighted that Richardson didn't get injured. Hammers didn't get injured. Hope DCL doesn't play tonight. I, I don't want him to play. I, I <laughs> surely, surely, he started the last two games, and he so surely he won't be involved. Well, there's no, there's no need to say, you know, put Harry Kane and ruin Tottenham's chances and keep DCL out. That's what I'd say. Yeah, that Danny Ings should be England's number nine forever, I think, personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 would not, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, but yeah, but I think that that's. That's fantastic in regards to the you know the Colombian supporters seeming to embrace Everton and you know Sarah and, and Dave as well you you guys content creators in that regard and it, it's nice to see to have so many people from from that part of the world interacting with us isn't it I mean on on Monday me and Les did Blue Monday and he had a Columbia shirt on and people were absolutely loving it in the comments from over there it's it's, it's great to have that sort of reaction and affinity isn't it. Yeah, but it's, it's not just Colombia, Matt. I mean, it's all it's the exiled Colombian community in the United States as well. So you're getting loads of people from you know, Florida, Texas, California, who suddenly be, you know have this effect of that Everson, which they didn't have before. So you know, it's it's been in terms of raising the profile of, of the club. You know, uh, at the moment, you know, we're probably one of the most well-known clubs on in South America, which is some achievement given where we were, say, five <laughs> years ago. Yeah. yeah, I got asked to do a, uh, a like a Zoom thing with a, a guy who's a journalist in Colombia, but also a lecturer at a university. So we were on this Zoom live thing with I think there's probably about thirty other other students on there, and they were asking me questions about Mina, about Everton, about Hammers, and they just loved it. You know, it was yeah. great. I went on Instagram and that after, and just had all these new <laughs> Colombian followers <laughs> messaging me saying. Columbia is blue, Columbia loves Everton, up the toffees and all this. And I just thought, it's just great, you know, in a time in the world where there's so much difficulty and, and struggle going on, I think just having that that pure joy and, you know, for in terms of South America, you know, they just have so much colour and life and, and 
no happiness and I, I, it's really sort of rubbed off I think and it, it helps that we're winning all the time as well so yeah let's hope uh, let's hope Colombia is celebrating on Saturday as well yeah <laughs> and I think as, as well Dave I was saying this on a, on a video I was doing uh, yesterday in regards to, to Colombia and the relationship with Everton and I think it's it's one of them where I think a lot of the the traits that fans of the Colombian national team and fans <coughs> of Everton they <laughs> do sort of hold quite quite close together I mean you wouldn't necessarily associate Everton with Brazil which is you know all about technical football and samba and flair and all that sort of thing I think Colombia by and large is a team of of you know they've got a lot of gnarly nasty bastards playing for them haven't they and I think <laughs> I think I think their supporters love that like we love our own versions of those sorts of players you know like Alan and, and players like that but I think there's also probably an appreciation of class football as like Hamas Rodriguez where there's a mutual admiration of course now which probably goes a, a little bit unnoticed and a little bit unheralded in the wider footballing world yeah I, I love anything like that because you, what, what we need to do as a club and it's no, it's no secret really as if uh, you know and not least as the, the current climate where you've got certain Premier League football clubs trying to reinvent what English football is all about and they've got to that level by having a worldwide fan base. I mean, they've got the prowess and the finances they've got. And talking about Liverpool and Man United here and probably the rest of the big six to various degrees um, have, have tried to market that and have tried to get a foothold in all of these different countries that have started to embrace the, the Premier League in particular over recent years. And I think it's no secret that Everton's record in that is, is really shoddy. I mean, we spoke to Landon Donovan about last year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um and he was so, so good, so forthright. In fact, that, that podcast out for free. If you got, if anyone wants to check it out, who's watching now, um, just search for it on our website or on, on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is you get your podcasts. And he was saying to us that Everton never really approached him uh, in terms of trying to get something set up that was somewhat of a legacy or something like that involved with the United States. Not only that, we had Tim Howard for a lot longer than Landon Donovan. He was getting phone calls from the president, wasn't he, after the World Cup? And it, it seems like the club failed to do anything about that. So this looks like they're doing it a lot better. We all remember when Hammers signed. There were you know, mock-ups of him in Times Square all over the country, all over the Americas. Um, and that seemed to pull in, uh, you know, like Sarah says there, and Paul, a wide number of people who, who wanted to talk about and were interested in our football club. And that's exactly what you've got to do. Where there are gaps like that, I mean, nobody else has got a world-class Colombian footballer in the Premier League. So Everton have made their dent into that market. Now you want to see it supplemented. And what Paul said there is a fantastic idea. Um, maybe it's something we should sort of push the club towards. Is getting something set up there for, for Christmas time. Um, well, that's how you do these things. Just, just on that, the, the only thing I was thinking on that, I, I don't know what the logistics are at the moment in regards to COVID. Oh, of course, and, yeah. And, I mean, that, and that kind of thing, and whether it would be doable or not. And it certainly won't be a stick that I'd beat Everton with if that's you know if it's unable to be done, and it won't be for the ones of try. I wouldn't think, given that they are making these efforts now on a global scale, which is brilliant to see, and something that a lot of us have cried out for for a long time. If they can harness that and they can make it something, um, and we have a generation of Colombian Evertonians who travel over when times are a lot better in the future, then you know that that's the sort of thing that you want to see. You want to see people coming to the city, coming to the new stadium, of course, as well. All of these things seem to be stacking up in our favour right now and it'll be on, on, on the club to actually put their foot down. But like you say, obviously, circumstances they are at the moment might make it a little bit more difficult. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's lovely to see as, as fans of a football club that's starting to make strides uh, and, and, and just the, the, the basics of actually meeting some new people. 
and getting new people involved in what we do and, and what we do on the Blue Room as well. It's fantastic. And uh, let's hope it continues. Let's hope that they're coming even more in the droves after after he scores the winner on Saturday. You know, it, <laughs> it, it's a massive uh, it's a massive coup, and I think. I don't think you can ever overestimate the impact of this signing, you know, because we continue to see, even now, what he's been at the football club two months, and we continue to see different things, different elements, and different creative ideas from all sorts of different people where we could take this. Um, and, you know, like we've got a load of Brazilians there now as well. Um, so that world is our oyster to attack, I think, and um, reap the benefits of mutually, of course, because obviously they're coming to support the best team in the world so it's um, <laughs> it's it's good for them as well we're not just selling them down the streets are we yeah as you said Dave as well I mean I think uh, I think most of the Premier League clubs have concentrated on the Asian markets I don't think many Premier League teams have targeted the South American market no now, in terms of in terms of population South America is absolutely massive so you know Colombia I think is the, is the third most populous nation in South America so therefore it's a it's a real unique opportunity for the club to absolutely capture a new market and raise the club's profile I mean, it, it took it took years for, for Premier League clubs to embrace anything in, in America, in the USA. Um, they they started to, you look at that International Champions Cup that we were part of for one season. I famously remember somebody took a photo of the stalls outside the ground and it had all, obviously had the big European clubs, Juventus, Real Madrid, but all there, obviously the, U, the UK clubs that were in it. And we had a tiny one that looked like a knock-up in a car boot sale at, at entry race course. <laughs> so, you know, it, I, I think they're trying to make it a lot further sort of strides and that they, they, they seem to have and like I said go back to saying it before I don't think there's any other real presence UK wise in Colombia or moreover South America if Everton get a run on that as opposed to the yeah. big successful teams in the Premier League that that could be something quite powerful and everybody's banging on about commercial revenue and FFP getting this sort of thing right makes that a hell of a lot easier and has a knock on effect to everything from recruitment to you know, what we're going to be doing at the new grounds and everything like that. So it's really important stuff. Yeah, vital. They seem to be getting it right anyway. They seem to be making yeah. good strides in yeah. that area and long may continue as the club continues to have success, as we said. Um, so we want to have a chat about something else quick, um, quickly before we go on to speak about the derby at the weekend. Um, Project Big Picture, uh, the terribly named Project Big Picture, as Dave pointed out on on Twitter this week. For those who aren't watching the video, he's already shaking his head vehemently <laughs> about, about that name. Uh, has failed, unsurprisingly. Uh, there was a meeting today uh, between representatives from all 20 <clears> Premier League clubs. And just to, by and large, there's obviously loads of detail in this which has come out, but 18 of them said, we're not particularly big fans of this, we don't want it, and we're not going to help push this forward anymore. And there's a line in particular from, from the piece from The Guardian on this, Sarah, uh, it said the idea has divided the top division with the other 14 clubs believed to be strongly against mm. the change in governance with the league and uh, uh, football association sharing the view. At Wednesday's virtual conference call, the Premier League chairman, Gary Hoffman, called for unity after an unedifying week. And the Everton chief executive, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, demanded an apology from Liverpool and United, who were represented by Tom Berner and Ed Woodward, club chairman and executive vice chairman, respectively. Apparently, both of them declined to apologise, which was not met with particular... Um, people weren't happy on the call, put it that way, about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, just first and foremost, Sarah, are, are you glad this has been voted down and will hopefully, you know, 
never see the light again in, in a lot of aspects. I mean, I think, I think there's aspects of the proposal we, we could say helping the lower leagues out's absolutely fine. I think we're all, all on board with that, all on board with making sure clubs stay in business. Uh, but certain, certain aspects of it would have been completely impossible to implement on a fair way. So are you happy to, to see the back of a large part of, of this proposal in, in a similar way that Denise sounded like she was? Yeah, I think if, if you're not happy about it, then for me, you, you don't, you're not doing football right. I think yeah. it's just a totally, the, the audacity of it almost, um, the, the, you know, projects, bigger picture, it, everything about it just, well, I'll, be, I'll be careful what I say, but I, I, I just think it, it's just horrible. It was just a horrible idea um, and quite rightly, all the clubs of, and, and shareholders and everyone involved, the Premier League, the FA, have just said, no, we're not having it. Um, and if it is true about Denise uh, wanting an, an apology, uh, I, I can't say that I blame her for that. And to not get one, I think, again, if true, just says a lot about uh, about the, the people that were trying to implement this. You know, we all want... Football's been hit hard. as every, every aspect of life has been hit hard. And it's important that the lower league teams and that, that something is sorted with the footballing pyramid because we know that things aren't fair but for me that's just it's like they just wanted to to give all the power <laughs> basically to them and make the the gap even bigger and uh yeah I, I I'm not surprised that it's been turned down uh, but I'm very happy about it Paul what about you mate yeah I mean obviously as Sarah's outlined there I'm delighted it's being turned down I think my concern is this version of us being turned down I don't think this is the end of the planning I don't think this is the end of, of uh, action going on behind the scenes to try and shake to try and shake up the Premier League this is one victory but I don't think the battle's anywhere near one yes and I think you know my major concern is one the lack of leadership of the Premier League at the moment. So I think since since Peter Scudamore has left, there's, I, I couldn't even tell you who 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 is in charge of the Premier League at the moment. Is is it Richard Masters? Is it? I'm not. And Clark. Clark. Yeah. The and, and when you think the number of people turned down that job in the summer, Carol Dillage, one of other people just didn't want to entertain the idea. So I think there's a vacuum of leadership at top of the Premier League, which is given the opportunity to like some Manchester United and Liverpool to put their own proposals forward, and those proposals will come. back Back in a different form, in my view, they haven't gone away forever. And I think the likes of the Glazers and you know, the John Henry at Liverpool, their ideal model is a Premier League we never get relegated. We have a, a regular European competition, and the rest of the league can just like you know, can be cut adrift because I think their long-term ambition is to lead the Premier League anyway. At some stage, that, that, that that's my concern, and uh, I just I'm just really concerned with, with the way football, even more than ever before, is all about money. And to take advantage of this situation when you know when the country's on its knees, and football is probably the one thing that's kept a lot of people going during, during this epidemic at the moment, to take that away and to, and, and to create this uncertainty, I think it's incredibly selfish, incredibly self-centered, and full credit to Denise Baxnell Barrett for demanding an apology. And I love the fact it gives an extra edge to the derby on Saturday. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Would you, would you have been demanding an apology in that call if you were representing Everton? It no, wouldn't, but I've got a separate personal issue with that anyway because I think this is more... I'll, I'll get onto that in a minute. I'm on a bit of a long run with this one, Matt, so bear <laughs> with me. But, uh, and that's, that's a big warning for everybody that, you know how long I talk for. But, uh, <laughs> initially, I think... Um, and and it, what's been brushed under the carpet is probably the last thing I put on Twitter. This is all about Premier League greed. Before we get into the particulars of the two who've tried to do this, which is pure exploitation, by the way, 
uh, had they got their way. And they've tried to make an opportunity out of the suffering of other football clubs and a lot of them who look like they're headed towards the wall unless they get the help that's needed. We have to have a look at the Premier League as a whole and some of the actions that different clubs, conglomerates of clubs, you know, a majority of clubs have tried to do um, in, in recent weeks. And the thing for me that, that's probably a little bit worse than this, certainly impacting on fans more than more than uh, the actual project, Big Steel or whatever it's called, <laughs> it has been the, the £15 a week uh, demands to watch Premier League football outside of BT, Sky Sports and Amazon. I think that is an indication that nobody's beyond greed in the Premier League. There was only Leicester City who voted that down, we hear, um, which is an indictment on 19 of the rest, including ourselves. Um, so personally, in, in terms, well, fine, Denise wants an <clears> apology <throat> for that. Completely get that. But let's let's not beat about the bush that there are there are other Premier Leagues implicit in taking trying to take advantage of this situation. And 19 of them, including ourselves, tried to do that with trying to charge, well, they have successfully uh, negotiated a £15 charge for Premier League football uh, if your game isn't on Sky Sports or, or one of the, you know, the big broadcasters that it's already got to deal with. Um, that, that, to me, is shocking behaviour uh, from every single one of them. Um, and the fact that this has come along from Liverpool and United has done all of them a favour simply because nobody's talking about that anymore. This is the thing that's in the news, rightly so. But to me, I, I think it's a little bit rich for any, any Premier League football club pointing fingers in different directions of blame because they're looking to be greedy and exploited in a certain situation. Um, on those two, I mean, they've well and truly taken the piss. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're doing this on the 15-game basis, at least, at least everyone, almost everyone was in agreement with doing that on a certain level of greed. This, mm. this is much higher down the pecking order because it's simply them wanting to take control of our game. Uh, the entire football pyramid would be at their mercy. And it's interesting that 18 clubs voted it down, Matt, because four of them would have been in it with United and Liverpool yeah. and surely benefited Spurs. I think there was a story well, about... Everton would have as well, Dave, wouldn't they? Yeah, they yeah. Everton would have been beneficiary of it. Everton not, to the, not to the token. same extent, but... Yeah, exactly. Everton would have got a token gesture of a, of a vote, which again is literally a token gesture because two thirds votes are needed so there'd be nine clubs on that board uh, six of them would have to vote something through that would all would be needed we know all the six would be holding hands it certainly wouldn't be Everton involved in that um, although as, as, having said that the caveat is I think Everton see themselves as somewhat a potential to be involved in the big six or the, if it has to become a big seven or whatever that is um, but those, t those two taking control it's, it's like the sort of they're offering 72 clubs a, a, a handshake with the devil, really, because it's like, well, we'll secure your future. We'll provide this money. Rick Paddy's all on board simply because they're assured of a chunk of TV money going forward as well, which in his eyes, maybe you can't blame him for this, he would see as something that secures the future of the Football League. But it's all about the future of the game. It's not not the present. It's like, you know, it's it's like... You know, me having a mortgage on my house, Matt, getting you to give me a certain amount of money so I can keep the mortgage, but then you own the house in the end and I keep on paying for it. That that's that's the way this would work in that promotion, relegation, teams doing what Leicester did in fifteen, sixteen. You can kiss goodbye to any of that. You can kiss goodbye to the being, you know, FA Cup shocks and, and things like that. They wanted to take a trophy off the board for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, three domestic trophies you can win in this country. And one of them would be gone. 
I mean, the Community Shield, I'm, I'm not sure what the idea is behind that. But them wanting to eliminate that and have 18 teams, make no mistake about this, it's not, it's not because you can have longer pre-seasons, it's because they're able to sell. One of the ideas was they were able to make each club independent enough so it could go and negotiate its own TV revenue. So by freeing up midweek fixtures that you wouldn't have in the EFL, they could simply slot a game in there and charge whatever they wanted for it, whether it be one of these events like the Champions Cup. We've seen this in its infancy creep into the game over the years. That's one of them, that big friendly tournament everyone has. That's so lucrative, the football clubs who are in that. And who's in it? The top six. So by, by and large, the, those taking control of the game would be an absolute disaster for anybody from the championship down in the future because they'd have the, the, their legs taken from under them in regards to them wanting any future success. If you're a team with ambition, if you're a team in the championship who's, who's trying to fight their way up through the leagues, I mentioned the other day on the breakfast show, you wouldn't see like a Bournemouth or a Wigan who come, you know, conquered five, six seasons worth of divisions, you know, have come up four divisions in, in six or seven seasons, something silly like that. That'd be gone because it'd all have to be at the agreement of the top six and in particular United and Liverpool. And that's why it stinks so much. Um, but Paul hit the nail on the head here. This is just one victory. This doesn't go away. What will ultimately be presented, and I think in every single league across Europe, will be a Super League format. Um, and I think that that's what they want. They want to be able to sell each individual game at a price that they agree. They don't want to have to share it amongst the Premier League. Could only 2% share holding each with the, the Premier League teams. They don't want any of that. Because in their eyes, and, and perhaps many people will see it this way, certainly business people would, well, they make the most money. They bring the most people in. Why shouldn't they have a larger share? But it's that yeah. larger share that is the, the stronghold and foundations of English football that it's a level playing field. We know it's not because of the finances they can bring in from elsewhere anyway. But that is the last straw. That's the one last thing that holds this entire thing together is the fact there's, 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 there's a quality across uh, revenue that you can make from TV broadcasting. And that's the big sticking point for them because they think they're entitled to a hell of a lot more. A bit like Spain, Matt, you'll know more about that than me. But Real, Barca and a little bit of Atletico essentially have the majority of the funding from TV revenue, don't they? It's not split equally like it is with us. Yeah, so it's basically dependent on how many people watch your games and stuff like that. I mean, they negotiate fees for the TV, TV money, money based on that. Whereas like you said, the Premier League, it's, it's, it's an equal share. But I think I agree with everything you're saying there, mate, as well. And I think the timing of it for me as well just absolutely stinks. It, it's so exploitative when... Teams and, and other clubs are, are desperate for money. They're desperate for a, a bit of a life raft further down the league. And in addition as well, it's, it's at a time where fans aren't, aren't in stadiums either. So, you know, any sort of meaningful protest against this or any sort of opposition against this literally can't happen in the form of any kind of gathering or banners or that sort of stuff. It, it's all on social media, which become a bit of an echo chamber. But the one thing I do hope that, that happens from the this... Premier is league that, is it, Go on, mate. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say, please don't forget that that 15 quid thing is, is almost as bad. It's not as bad because they're part of it as well. The United and Liverpool have proven this. But the Premier League, in, in my personal opinion, over the last fortnight, has shown itself up to be what it is. And that is a greedy, uh, inconsiderate organisation. And uh, uh, from an Everton point of view, um, the fact that they didn't vote that down, even though they would have only been two of, along with Leicester, the discerning voices, it's, it's a real shame. Uh, given the fact of everything else we do, everything else they've done in lockdown, the football club, that that's a, 
that's a knife to us a little bit, I think. Um, and the, 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 where do you go from here? But make no mistake, like Paul says, United, Liverpool, all the other big boys across Europe will be back. This won't be the end of the story that we hear because they'll just go back to the drawing board and think, how do we worm ourselves out of this? Um, and on this occasion, it hurts a little bit more because it's in the middle of a pandemic where millions upon millions of people around the world are struggling. Um, totally agree with you there, mate. Uh, we'll, we'll move on now. We'll give Dave the chance to turn a light on in his, uh, in his room as well because he's Please fading do. away. He's, <laughs> I'm he's getting fading. closer and closer to the screen so you can he's, see he's me. Fading. Like, I'm going all the way back. I'm gone, aren't I? Yeah, anyone listening to the podcast of this day has just been gradually disappearing <laughs> while he's been going on his rant about <laughs> what did you call it? Project Big Steel? Yeah. There you go. I reckon that sounds better. It's not as cheesy as the other one, is it? No, it's, it's, it's like, the best of marks of mine, to be honest. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Zoolander EFL. Mashup, isn't it? <laughs> is, isn't it blue? Is it blue steel in Zealand? I think so. Uh, hey, listen, honesty is the best policy. They might have got further that they just called it what it is. <laughs> what, and what's that? Well, yeah, I don't think I can say that. Okay, uh, we'll move on before Dave gets us in trouble. Uh, either. Uh, last last ten minutes or so. Merseyside derby on Saturday, Sarah. Um, how how are you feeling going into it? It's a bit of, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because I've been saying on shows this week I'm going to be positive going into this one because this version of Everton and these Everton players and this manager have given us nothing to be negative about really this season. So I'm trying to stay positive and I feel as though Everton can win this game. Dave's just reappeared in a bullet and blade. <laughs> uh, it's almost like the talk of the derby. He's just lit up the room that he's in. Matt, it, it's why we do podcasts and radio so we're not seen. I'm not used to any of this. not used to being on screen. That's all... Sarah's forte, so uh, <laughs> look, she she's fully prepared. She's probably got one of them nice snazzy lights, hasn't she, to light up her face? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> to be fair, Dave, I, th- I think you could charge £15 for your appearances on the podcast, you know. I think there's a market there for it. <laughs> yeah. Watch Dave Downey disappear, then reappear again in the, in the blink of <laughs> uh, But just how, how are you feeling about this one, Sarah? Because I'm, I'm trying to be positive. I think I am positive about it, and... It feels like it's a, a great opportunity for Everton, not only because we're playing so well at the moment, but what happened to Liverpool in their last outing where they got slapped around a little bit by Aston Villa, didn't they? Uh, they absolutely did. And to be honest with you, it, it probably, well, it should have been uh, a lot more than seven that they conceded in the end. And I think it, it's, a, it's a strange one because on one side, you're looking at it and they're going, yeah, well, there's going to be obviously a massive reaction and this can't happen again and all that. But I'm thinking... Surely their team's thinking with Adrian in the goal, you know, we, we all saw what he's done and the, the mistakes he's capable of. They're thinking we've conceded seven to Aston Villa. For me, if I'm Richarlison or Hammers or Calvert-Lewin, I'm looking at them going, they conceded seven against Aston Villa. We're the second highest scoring team in the league at this point. Uh, we're not really conceding that many goals. You know, the, the fact that Alisson is missing is is, is big. Um, I know Thiago's back in training. I'd expect him to feature in Mane, even though he's had COVID, etc. Um, but, yeah, I think to take all the injuries and stuff out of it, yeah, just the fact we are at the top of the league, we've got Carlo Ancelotti, we've got a number nine who's sc- scoring goals for fun. We've got players in there that are real winners, um, you know, that, that, that they're, they're used to winning games and, we seem to be able to get these wins over the line all the time now. Like the psyche within the team is changing with the fans. Look at the whole spirit of the Blues getting into the charts, getting to number one and everything. It's like everyone's buying into it. The fans are buying into it. The players are, the manager is. And yeah, it just feels like 
they're a bit scared about it. I, I think they are quite scared. I've got mates, not many, that are Reds, and they're saying, you know, <laughs> you've, got, bit... you've got cop out mates. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use that term loosely, no, but no, it, it said, you know, we're, we're nervous for this one. I've said you should be. I, I feel confident, but then, you know, derbies get nearer and you get a bit more nervous. But I think that's what we need to ditch. We need to just go into this going, we're, t- we're, we're above and we've got more points. We're playing better. Let's get the job done. Let's get the win and get this horrible, god-awful record over and done with. Paul, are you feeling that positive as well, mate? But throughout my life, Matt, I've never felt positive before the derby. It's just that type of game. You know, it always kind of gets into you and makes you nervous. But I echo everything Sir has said there. I think for once, we're going into the derby on a tremendous run of form. We are the team who's top of the league at the moment. I mean, I guess the mid issues last time went to a derby in top of the league. We've actually got, in my view, a far better manager than they've got across the park as well, who knows how, who knows how to play a certain system and knows how to get the best out of his players. And I like the fact that our three summer signings have never, you know, don't have to do don't have a tradition of losing games against Liverpool particularly. So I think the mindset will be a lot more positive as well. And I think um, in some bizarre way, you know, I, I think it helps us the crowd not being there because I think Ancelotti m- might you know, choose to play a more holding type of game, whereas when you're playing a home in a derby match, everyone's urging to get forward all the time. I think it actually takes a bit of pressure off the side not having the crowd there. It might work in our favour like it did towards the end of the last season in the 0-0 game. We desperately need to score first in this game because you can just see, you know, if Liverpool concede the first goal, you can see the Villa game starting to play in their minds. If they get the yeah. first goal, then you see it starts to affect us a little bit. My only concern is the keeper. Uh, apart from that, I'm happy with every other position on the side. Um, I think you mentioned about Seamus Coleman when you tweeted on today, Matt. I mean, yeah. I mean Coleman has, has been an absolutely superb captain for the side this season. So I'm cautiously optimistic. And I think um, this, is, this is our best opportunity in a decade to win this game. And we really should you know, be, be going forward. It's, and uh, you know, let's re-establish ourselves as the best team in this city. <laughs> Love that fighting talk. Better manager, better team. <laughs> Uh, you know, just 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 forget about the you know the early <laughs> champions last season. It's fine. It's a new it's a new season. Things are different now. But I suppose that's that's the thing is they whatever happens on Saturday, we're all sat here now, believing or sort of believing or even hoping that Everton could win this game and go back to the the derby post lockdown. And although Everton got a draw about it out of it, it was nil nil, and you know, they probably could have won that game in fairness. When we were talking about that game on the Wednesday before, and none of us had any hope whatsoever, did we? It was so doom and gloom. We were all feeling so negative about it. And I think it's, it's testament to these players and, and this manager that we're all sat here going into a game against Liverpool who've won everything there is to win in football over the last you know, year or so. And we're all sitting here thinking, Everton have got a really good chance to, to, to beat mm. them here. Yeah, uh, just first, I want to go back to what Paul said about Ancelotti being a better manager than Klopp, I think um, I think Reds might like might make themselves show now. Uh, if you were watching this, if you were watching this in secret or listening to the podcast, I think uh, might well be a few explosives thrown our way. The Paul's, <laughs> Paul's thrown that particular one into the mix, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that there's a argument to say this is a lot more about feelings and emotions for for us in particular because we haven't approached these games before, certainly in the position. Uh, we're in right now. I'm not too sure the last time when we were ahead of Liverpool on the league table going into a Merseyside derby. Um, and it does feel like we, we should have genuine expectations here that Everton do a good job. 
ultimately that might not result in winning the game um, because let, let's not forget here we're, we're playing a side that is world class. We're playing a side that eventually had this title sewn up not far from this time last year in the Premier League. Um, I'm I'm very very glad, and, and and I think this is an important point. I'm I'm glad that it's after an international break because Liverpool after that Villa game would have been like a wounded animal. I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp would have been like that as well in the dressing room afterwards, uh, desperately craving to put this right as soon as possible. And they were denied that opportunity to do that simply because they've had to wait a fortnight to play again. And all the players have been away on international duty. That's a lot sweeter uh, position to be in if you're Everton because you, 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 you wave your players off gladly, don't you, to say, go and enjoy yourselves on international break if you're not in an international team. Joe, just just have a, have a rest, recuperate, get yourself ready for what's to come after the internationals. Unless we forget as well, Everton with a little bit on the legs towards the end, um, pre-international break in terms of injuries. and We looked very, very fatigued towards the end of that Brighton game. It looked like we needed a rest um, to sort of sit and review and have a look at this situation, what we're in right now. Um, so undoubtedly, I think we're in the better position than both, obviously, in the league table and also mentally going into this. Um, I bet Klopp is basically waiting in a taxi at the airport for all his players to get back because he wants to get into work with them right away to put right what happened. Um, and that's a da- that's still a dangerous thought for me that he'll have been meticulous much more so in preparing for this than he would have been. I think had they battered Aston Villa as everybody protect- mm. pre- predicted them to do. Well, that, so that's, to all, stay- that, that's all well and good, Dave, isn't it? But you can, you can be meticulous and be prepared and be focused and be, you know up for it but if you've just not got the time to work on that and you know what, what you know I'm expecting Liverpool to have the right mindset and you know to be aggressive and you know up for this game but that's different to having the time on the training pitch to eradicate some issues that were there against Villa and they were let's not beat around the bush you know it's people this might come back to haunts but they were, they were massive issues in that game for them absolutely enormous issues and the sort of things that you probably need to work on the training pitch a, a lot to resolve, and it, it, this is not just now. Like Liverpool, have it was a one-off for them. You know, conceding seven was a one-off, but you know, City scored four against them at the end of last season. Watford put three past them. Leeds put three past them on on the opening day as well. It's and while it's still a good side, there's clearly an issue there which which needs resolving. I I I agree with you. Well, I can't deny the facts. We're talking about in terms of the goals they conceded, but I think there's a danger we underestimate our opponents here. Um, we certainly won't do that. Internally, I'm, I'm pretty confident of that with, with Ancelotti at the helm and what's happened so far. But from from our an opinion point of view, from a fan point of view, I think it we'd, we'd be really, really uh, underestimating them if we think that they're, they're going to be a, a walkover. I don't think anybody's saying that for a minute, but I think that we still need a thorough appreciation of what they've done, the players they've got. They've got Thiago there coming back. I mean, you've got fresh players coming back and Mane. Thiago reportedly nobody's heard any ill effects from the COVID that they've had. Um, you, you've got a world-class side desperate to prove a point, is, I guess is what I'm saying uh, in short. And that to me is dangerous. Um, I, Having said that, I actually am putting my neck on the line. I expect us to win this game. Uh, I think I think if Everton have got everything about them that we've seen so far this season, we should win this game. Um, we should be confident of winning it. And we should set up like we're going to win it as well, like we have done with the four games previous to this in the Premier League. Um, and, and that's, like I said, that's a, that's a feeling. Uh, and, and we should feel like that going into any game now. Um, whether it happens or not, we can reflect on that 
after it comes. But from a mentality point of view, absolutely, we should be looking forward to this game. We should be looking forward to seeing what Hamas can do. I don't know if everybody saw uh, the video on Twitter for the Champions League account tweeted of Hamas at Anfield with Real Madrid. I think it was in the 14-15 season. Mm. And he plays the best ball you've ever seen in your life through to Ronaldo, who sort of takes it on the half volley and puts it into the into the top corner. It's an incredible assist. I actually forgot it was him that did that because it was one of my favourite goals uh, back then. But we have players with that ability who can slice these open whenever whenever they see fit, whenever we've got the ball to them in the right positions. If Everton do that, they're going to create chances. And Everton do that, we'll score goals because we've got the most lethal front man in the league at the moment as well. So there's every reason to be optimistic and there's every reason to think we, we, we should win this game. Um, but yeah, we'll not be underestimating the, the opponents, absolutely not. Hmm. Uh, just before we wrap up then, a couple of quick-fire questions for, for all three of you. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that if everyone's fit, we probably know 10 of the 11 for certain at the game at the weekend. Maybe the only one up for debate is Gomez or Sigurds in the midfield. Uh, Paul, would you play Gomez or Gilfie? I'd go for Gomez. Sarah? Um, I think Gilfie's turned things around a lot so far this season, but for me, it's Gomez. Dave? The fact we have to think about the answer is uh, quite refreshing, isn't it? Because if you'd have said Gilfie or Andre Gomez three months ago, people would send you to the loony bin, wouldn't they? Um, mm. it, is, it is Gomez, but I have absolutely no problem with Gilfie Sigurdsson coming onto the game uh, and onto the pitch and, and trying to influence things. He's come a long, long way um, since, let's face it, the disgrace we saw last season. So, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Gomez, but I wouldn't have much qualms if, if it is Gilfie, um, which is a testament to how well he's done recently. And finally, predictions, Dave, you first. Everton win 3-2. Sarah? Oh, 3-1 Everton. Paul? I'll go for a 2-1 win for Everton. I think the important thing is not to lose this game as well. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we, want, we want the win. We want the win, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But keep that momentum going, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I think two-one, Mass. I think, I think, I think Dave's outlined there perfectly all the reasons why we should be winning this game, and Sarah outlined before you know, the reasons mentally why we, you know we're going to this derby really strong and fancying our chances, which we haven't done for years. Hmm. Matt, you I, always you always escape this, Matt. What are you going for? <laughs> I reckon it'll be a tight game. I don't think there'll be as many goals as people expect, and so. I'm going to go for a narrow 7-2 win for Everton. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think we're just about to scrape over the line in that sense, yeah. So 7-2 uh, to the toffees. You're still, in a really not, tight you're still game. not genuinely answering the question. Uh, I think we'll win. I think we'll win as well. 3-1. Score? 3-1. That's, two, that's two of us on 3-1. So yeah. <laughs> I, I reckon we'll score from a set piece. If Yeri's fit, I'd... I'd I'd be putting a, a little quid on him to score, I reckon, at the weekend. Or, or be it, I don't gamble much anymore. But yeah, I reckon, I reckon yeah, he's going to score at the weekend from a set piece. So. Pickford the hero for me. Ah, uh, yeah. Dave, that's it. You've done it now. You're going to be a meme when he chucks one in. Keep it, this, <laughs> this, this, this happens with goalkeepers. Goalkeepers have spells like that. And at the minute, you, you, you're sort of saying, you need to leave the club. Don't put your head in your hands. <laughs> and the reason they will they'll rise to get a, to get a performance out of themselves is England places on the line now. We'll see a much better Jordan Pickford now. Well, he's playing he tonight. Can, so any of the Reds, any of the Reds can can record that and play it back to me. 
when he's th- <laughs> when he's through through three in his own net and had to be subbed for the new fella. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, great summer positive show ahead of a Merseyside derby. Uh, thanks very much for everyone for watching. Or listening. Just a reminder as well, we said at the start of the show, if you are uh, involved in an independent business in Liverpool or elsewhere, you're worried about what's coming up, you want to connect with uh, Evertonians and other people listening to this show, do give us a shout. Uh, I'm at Matt J Football on Twitter. Dave is at David Downey 17 on Twitter. Uh, get in touch and we'll have a chat on shows coming up over the next few weeks. But in the meantime, thanks very much to Paul, Sarah and to Dave. That has been the weekly show here on The Blue Room. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll speak to you again very soon. Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.